What exactly are the leave entitlements in terms of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act? This is Stuff Employers Should Know. Welcome to Stuff Employers Should Know, proudly brought to you by LabourNet, management's ultimate HR solution. Hey, and welcome to Stuff Employers Should Know. I'm Barry Gordon-Davis, and there is Yasser Yaslike at Ismail, keeping our levels in check. And I am joined today by a very heavily pregnant Elsabi, um, or, or lightly pregnant Elsabi. Which heavily. one's correct? I heavily. Think heavily. Pre- we, we, we're venturing into that stage now. Elsabi <laughs> uh, Nivot, who's a, a, a product manager from litigation, to come and discuss a topic that is pertinent to your situation. And I don't I say situation with respect. <laughs> so um, we're going to be talking about the different leave types. So um, as we know, uh, leave has many forms, uh, employers and employees call it many different things, but uh, the whole point of today is to really go into what exactly are the leave entitlements that are uh, as per statutory law and what employees are entitled to as a minimum leave benefit to themselves when they are a employee of an employer. So there are many forms, as I said, um, different types, um, and these entitlements are generally contract-based. Correct, 100%. And uh, uh, in addition to contract-based, the contracts obviously have to conform with the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, which then goes and governs these. What are the different forms of leave that it governs? So the Basic Conditions of Employment Act um, is exactly what it says. It governs the basic of the minimum requirements in terms of these types of leave. So we get annual leave, which is our most common, um, sick leave, family responsibility leave, maternity leave, and then the newest addition, parental leave. So if an employer has anything else, birthday leave, um, uh, you know, maybe the millennials that just need a them day or anything of the like, those are all over and above, am I correct? 100%. And they aren't governed, so that would be based on policy and contract between the employee and the employer. Correct. However, what happens if there's a contradiction? So if there's a contradiction between the two, the most preferable one will take precedent. Um, If there's no contract in place, for example, governing a specific type of leave, then we would fall back on what the provisions are of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act. So even if I enter into a contract of employment, but the entitlement per that contract of employment is less favorable than the minimum prescribed by the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, even my express agreement prevents me from being the entitlement to the BCA or the BCA would still prevail? Yes, so the BCA will definitely still prevail then in that specific instance. So it's effectively then a moot or call it a invalid agreement then in that point in time. But uh, the rest of it would then obviously then still stand. Doesn't make the entire contract invalid, am I correct? Correct. So let's start off with the most famous one and the one that we all look forward to, which is annual leave. Um, that rest and relaxation. Now, the most common question that we get asked with annual leave, okay, so the the basic conditions of employment access 21 consecutive days. However, then employees are faced with a policy or a contract that says 15 days. How is that possible? So the Basic Conditions of Employment Act regulates all types of workers, regardless of whether the person works a two-day week or a six-day week. So it basically... Uh, covers all of that in terms of a, a, a general work week for that employee. So what the 21 consecutive days would mean is that 
it equivalates to about three weeks. So the number of days that the employee would generally work in that three-week period would be considered the amount of paid leave that the employee would be entitled to. So you work five days a week, you don't get paid for weekends. Five times three, that's where 15 comes from. Perfect. Now, um, when it comes to the taking of leave, um, now we know that we have an entitlement. An employee can't just simply go and say, well, it's my entitlement, I took that leave. 100%. So with annual leave, there needs to be express permission given by the employer at the discretion of the employer based on the operational requirements. So generally, we will have a policy in place stipulating terms um, relating to when an employer should apply for leave or how that leave needs to be applied for. Now, um, that obviously makes sense. And I can understand, you know, a lot of uh, people might say, well, that, you know, why must it be at the behest of the employer? But if you think about it on the other um, end of the scale, if all employees decided to take leave at the exact same time. So as you correctly said, operational requirements effectively wins the day. However, um, you know, what about that employer that's, you know, uh, work is work, um, business is business, and things are fast-paced, I mean, specifically in Joburg. So, you know, what about that employer that, that just keeps on saying, no, we, you can't take leave yet, you can't take leave yet, you have to, you have to wait. And uh, now it's been 12 12 months and I haven't taken leave. So in essence, what that would mean is that the employee would then um, continue to accumulate leave because the employer has not reasonably allowed the employee to take leave. The Basic Conditions of Employment Act also specifically mentioned that the employer must grant annual leave within six months of it becoming due to the employee. And that is obviously put in place to ensure that employees get the necessary rest periods that they are entitled to in terms of the act. And I think it's important to specify that the entitlement is to paid time off. Um, the practice of paying out or in cashing leave, uh, specifically when it comes to the the entitlement, that minimum balance or that, that you know, the, the basic conditions of Employment Act balance. Um, what's the comment on that? Can you pay them out? Rather no, than pay them? <laughs> definitely not, not allowed to do that. There is a specific provision in the BCAA that speaks to that to say that employers are not entitled to pay out leave unless it's upon a termination of employment. Yeah, and that's where you can do that process of elimination. It's saying, okay, well, there might have been a termination. Well, no, I wasn't terminated. Oh, but you didn't take the leave. So it can only be paid on two occasions, i.e. when you take it or termination of employment so in cashing of leave by its very nature would create issues for the employer correct so moving on to sick leave and the entitlement to sick leave calculation is based on a very similar calculation as annual leave yes that's correct so the the difference between um sick and annual leave is sick leave is calculated based on the number of days that the employee would have worked in a six-week period and the entitlement ranges over a period of 36 months so typically, if the employee works a five-day week, they would be entitled to 30 paid sick days within a 36-month cycle. A question that I get often get asked as well with regards to that um, is that you have your employees that will go and look at that entitlement and break it down to year, i.e., okay, I work five days a week, so I'm entitled to 30 days. Uh, does that mean that I'm entitled to 10 days leave, uh, sick leave um, every year? No, not necessarily. So you would be you would become entitled to the full 30 days, for example, obviously provided that you have the required proof of incapacity and that there's a genuine reason for you taking sick leave. And that entitlement kicks in after six months of employment. The question is, what happens in that first six months of employment? 
Right. So in the first six months of employment, the employee is entitled to one day sick leave for every 26 days worked. Okay. So, um, and I know proof of incapacity is a podcast on its own. So we'll, we'll get into that on another day. But let's move on to family responsibility, which was tweaked somewhat. So um, family responsibility is a entitlement that also is only applicable to employees based on a specific threshold. Yeah. So if the employee has worked for the employer for longer than four months and works at least four days a week, they are then entitled to family responsibility leave. And that family responsibility leave is three days um, per annum. And that's something that doesn't get carried over to another year. Am I correct? Yes, that's correct. So every year you will get a fresh three days. Okay. Minimum of three days, as we say. So... um, now, as we said, it was tweaked somewhat. Um, what does it not include now? So it used to include a provision for the employee to take family responsibility leave when the employee's child is born. But that section of the BCA has basically been deleted and replaced in the parental leave section. Which we will discuss a little yes. bit later. So what does family response or what is then family responsibility now? When is an employee entitled to family responsibility? So an employee is entitled to family responsibility leave in the event that the employee's child is ill or in the event of death of an immediate family member that is also listed in the act very specifically in terms of when you are allowed to take family responsibility leave. Yeah, so it's not just any... Uh, person it has to be somebody that is listed in that um, now on to the one that's applicable for yourself uh, maternity leave what is the entitlement so the the minimum entitlement in terms of the act is four months unpaid maternity leave um, which commences or which could commence one month before the actual due date of the employee so employees that embark on unpaid maternity leave uh, where would they be able to claim benefit during this time So they can claim by making a submission to the unemployment insurance fund for the period that they will not be at work. And when are employees allowed to embark on maternity leave and when do they when are they then able to return to work? So they can go on maternity leave as early as one month prior to their expected due date, um, obviously provided that they have a medical certificate from a medical practitioner stating when the, that due date is, and they are not allowed to return um, quicker than six weeks after the delivery of the baby. Unless... Unless a midwife or a medical practitioner certifies that As they always, are okay doctor gives you the okay. That's but it. But I mean, I think those days are gone. Guys must take their leave. But uh, what about paid maternity? Where there is an instance of a employer providing paid maternity or even providing a portion of it as being paid, um, these agreements aren't covered by the BCEA. So generally, they would be covered by internal policy on that specific topic, um, also at the discretion of the employer based on what rules they would like to implement. And generally speaking, employers also then have clauses in to um, govern employees in terms of work back or clawback agreements, where the employer would say, for example, uh, we would give you four months paid maternity leave, but you have to work for us for X amount of time after your return from this leave. And on to the new section of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, particularly that amounting to the, the, the parental leave aspects of it that have been added. Um, 
we have different we have different forms and what's great about this and what's very inclusive about this new section of the basic conditions of employment act is the gender neutrality of it um, the fact that it can apply to any gender or any um, identifying employee what are the three forms so it's actually very exciting because in the past they would only get, be entitled to the three paid days family responsibility leave but now the act actually makes provision for parental leave uh, which would then be applicable to your secondary caregiver, um, adoption leave, and also commissioning parental leave, which is applicable to surrogacy agreements. So parental leave, what is the entitlement now? So the entitlement of parental leave is 10 days unpaid parental leave. It's consecutive days, which, like I said, the secondary caregiver can take um, when the baby is born. And that unpaid period they can then claim back from the UIF as well. Yes, similar to maternity leave, yeah. And then adoptive leave, where there's a a genuine um, uh, uh, adoption order or order that's gone through the court for an adoption uh, agreement. So the simplest way to explain that is just to always remember the 10. So with parental leave, it's 10 consecutive days. With adoption leave, it's 10 consecutive weeks. And with a um, commissioning parental leave agreement? Same. Also 10 consecutive weeks. Okay, so let's get into the, the, the logistics of some of these arrangements. So where there is a, let's say, a partnership, um, the employee who has the, the child would then be entitled to the maternity leave and the um, partner would then be entitled to the parental leave. So where we have a situation that, let's say, um, there's an adoption order that is granted to employees of the same employer um, what is the entitlement then so the primary caregiver would be specified on the adoption order that person would be entitled to the 10 weeks adoption leave whereas the secondary caregiver would be entitled to the 10 days parental leave let's take it to the next level with regards to commissioning parental leave let's say there's a surrogacy agreement let's say there's a surrogacy agreement between uh, employees that all work for the same employer um, so a, there's a there's a, the the uh, employee has the child, and then there's the two um, adoptive parents. So in that specific case, the, the surrogate um, would be entitled to maternity leave because that's the person who would be physically carrying and delivering the baby. The primary caregiver would be entitled to adoption leave, and the secondary caregiver would be entitled to parental leave. Okay, so there, there are situations where then everybody will effectively have their piece of it. And uh, something that is also um, to be mentioned is, is that where a lot of these um, uh, uh, parental leave, adoptive leave, commissioning parental leaves, the, the entitlement to that minimum time off that is unpaid, there are obviously agreements uh, like what you had mentioned with maternity um, uh, that, that these agreements can then be paid. Yes, that's correct. And also then governed by policy because that would be more favorable than the terms of the BCA. And also to clarify on these three forms of leave is that the entitlement where you refer to it as 10 consecutive days, 10 consecutive weeks works on the exact same principle as what we discussed with um, sick leave as well as uh, uh, annual leave in that it's all based on the amount of days that you would actually physically wor work during that time. 100%. You're catching on quite quickly, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, 
But uh, thank you so much uh, for joining. And I'm so glad I caught you in time because I know that you're definitely going to be taking one of these forms of leave very, very soon. Um, and I wish you all the best. And I hope you and baby are, are very fit and healthy to return and come record the next session with us. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. Thanks, Barry. Thanks, Yasser. That concludes this episode of Stuff Employers Should Know. As always, if you want to get in touch, Drop us a mail at sesk at labornet.com or hit us up on any of the social media platforms. So from myself, uh, Elsabi, Baby, and Yas, till next week, cheers. Stuff Employers Should Know was proudly brought to you by Labornet, management's ultimate HR solution. For more episodes from Stuff Employers Should Know, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you play your favorite shows. Case law or statutes referenced in the podcast are current at the time of recording.